Hey you, yes you, why are you playing with your life? Think you can't afford to keep you and your family safe? Contact me, Sky Maduro, the confident and knowledgeable health insurance agent to discuss your options. You deserve the best. So let me get you and your family covered with affordable health insurance. Call me at 954-465-9176. That's 954-465-9176 so you can stop playing with your health. Blissful woman and relationship revolutionary, your love and intimacy strategist, taking you on the adventure that is love here in the Own Your Power Studios in beautiful South Florida. Yeah! Our radio show and programs are designed to enhance and deepen the power of love and relationships by feeding the feminine essence and maximizing the masculine spirit, ultimately creating stronger bonds and even more solid families. I'm here today with my Latin lover, mm-hmm. Nelson, who has been my amazing hubby for over 20 years. Thank you, my love. And, you know, like always, I enjoy being here and being a part of this show with you and such brilliant people that come here to to just kind of give us their love and their expertise. Now, if you have ever felt frustrated by intimate relationships don't understand men, don't understand women, feel misunderstood or unappreciated in your love life, have lost yourself trying to be something you're not in the name of love, have lost your drive for sex, or lost your drive for sex with your significant other, or just want a powerful, soulful, lasting union with the one you're with or the one you have yet to find, then you are in the right place right now. Open your hearts, open your minds, as we dive into the world of love and intimacy. We are going to take you on a very unique journey toward the mastery of love and intimacy, which is the ultimate treasure at the end of the pleasure map. You're going to want to stick with us so we can take you there. You can find out more about our programs and coaching at LaylaBlackwell.com. You know, I can't wait to get into our topic today. We had a lot of fun here in the Love Nest. We recently had a guest co-host for a special show. Yes, we did. I had a girly day with a couple of my co-authors from the book, She Loved Herself. Mm-hmm. The project manager, Suki Eluterio, was my guest co-host while you got to take the night off. I did. She is a yoga teacher with I Love Yoga Studio, and we had a chat about the power of self-love and the journey to discovering what that looks like for yourself, whether you're a man or a woman. Suki and I interviewed Claudia Zabirsky, the founder of Purple Wing Studio, a brand strategy design studio who also happens to host a monthly women's circle called the Red Tent Gatherings. Claudia and I are actually working together right now to create some men's and women's circles in the South Florida area. It's exciting times, I really tell you. Yeah. You know, we also recently spoke with Dr. Shemaine Border over at uh, Noah Southeastern, a marriage and family therapist with the Blue Couch and a professor who runs a nonprofit organization to support mental health professionals avoid burnout, Eroy Shung, a business strategist and video producer with Miami DMT, all about parenting and intimacy. Yes, we really looked at how challenging it can be for parents to prioritize and make time for intimacy, whether married, single, or step-parenting. That's right, and if you want to catch those shows and others, check out the podcast on ownyourpowerlifestyle.com. Today we're going to explore what is love 
question many people always have. Take a look at the difference between codependent relationships and real love. Real love, baby. (laughs) (laughs) In my work with couples, I find that people can get locked into what initially starts out as supportive roles but can easily disintegrate into a codependent relationship or, at the very least, codependent tendencies that chip away at the foundation of the relationship. On the flip side, I've also seen this term tossed about inappropriately to label some healthy relationship dynamics, such as feeling driven to connect by meeting each other's needs. So we were able to snag a licensed practicing therapist to take a look at the the difference between love and codependency. Yes, and it seems like the distinction would be clear, but many times it's clearly not. Exactly. So we're going to get a bird's eye view of what is love today in the love nest. Our guest tonight will chat with us about what's the difference between a loving relationship and a codependent relationship. How does codependency develop? Effects of codependency? And can codependent relationships be shifted back to loving relationships and how? What does a loving relationship really look like? Yeah, before we meet our guests and get started with our discussion, it is time to take a quick break and we'll come back to the Pleasure Map here with Chris Checky and we'll be joining us in the Love Nest. But now, let's listen to some tunes here on Only the Power Radio. Ow! Yeah! <laughs> think I was going to see you again. See you haven't changed. It's good to see you anyway. Feelings can't explain 
right tonight's topic is what is love today in the love nest with Layla Nelson we have Chris Checky he is a licensed psychotherapist whose private practice specializes in a vast array of areas including personal and professional relationships codependency trauma anxiety and addiction welcome thank you thanks for having me right. And we'll give you a little time at the end of the show to tell us more about your work and how listeners can really connect with you. And that's really going to be important for us and our listeners. But right now, I'm excited to get going with our conversation on what is love, the difference between codependent relationship and real love. So, have you ever been in love, Chris? I have. Oh. Doesn't loving, being loved, and being in love feel amazing? It feels wonderful. It feels wonderful, doesn't it? yes. So, what does, th- what does that look like when things are good? You don't notice anything that's not good. Mm-hmm. Everything seems completely crystal clear. You know which direction you're going, where the both of you are going. You're on a ship that's sailing together, and you can completely see each other unified going forward. You can navigate the waters. Absolutely. Navigate the waters. And any bumps, any waves that comes along the way, they roll off you. No, they're actually good for the... <clears throat> well, there's yeah. some good bumps, and then there are some not-so-good bumps. Right. <laughs> there we go. So some of those good bumps... We can't get into that today. (laughs) Some of the not-so-good bumps, if you're matched up really well, you can work together, you can figure it out, and the bump just rolls right off. That's Mm. right. You know, a little shake-up doesn't have to lead to a breakup, Mm -mm, right? Absolutely not. So I like to think of it as uh, when things are good in a relationship and you've got good love flowing, that it's with two whole and complete people. Absolutely. Right? And each of them being comfortable with being alone or doing things alone or doing things with other people not necessarily just each other, right? So that they kind of have a sense of what they enjoy and what they enjoy together and what they can enjoy separately. Absolutely. Um, Also having an honest view of each other, right? Not, I love who I think you are or who I think you should be, um, or even putting each other up on a pedestal. Kind of like a realistic view, flaws and all, that you don't just love each other despite your flaws. You love each other even because of your flaws, You got it, exactly. Things that make you unique, and like you're bringing up flake. authenticity, and that's so critical for a relationship, yeah. a healthy relationship where you can be totally who you are, vulnerable, and nobody else wants to be, wants you to be something different than you are. That's right. And exactly. it's, it's that freedom, freedom to be with 
the one that you're with. Exactly. Right? Freedom to be that person while you're with them. Not necessarily freedom from them, but freedom with them, freedom around them. Absolutely. Uh, open communication, some flexibility in the relationship, right? Right. Being aligned in the important things and mutual caring and respect, trusting freely without needing to have um, trustworthiness in the person, being uh, having to be proven all the time. That's what I like to tell people. You know, you don't have to be in a relationship and prove in every moment that Absolutely. you're worthy of that trust. You've nailed it. That's it. Um, and purity of love without an agenda. Hmm. Right? Right. And also, what I try to teach the couples that I work with, that a healthy relationship dynamic is when you're happy, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. But I don't need your happiness to be happy. Exactly. Right? I have other things that make me happy too, but when you're happy, that's supremely gratifying to me. So anything I can do to contribute to that happiness is going to make me feel good too. Excellent. Okay? Without having the reverse happen where it's it's your job to make me happy. And if you don't, there's a consequence. And if you don't, there's a consequence. And we get into this tit for tat. You must do this for me and then I'll do this for you. And if you don't, there'll be something else. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Do, do you find that a lot in, in the work that you do? I do. A lot of couples or even individuals in any other kind of relationship, it's tit for tat. You must do for me and I must do for you. There's an exchange. And in a healthy relationship, again, romantic or otherwise, you do because you care, you do because you love, and it flows naturally. You may expect some things that are normal and healthy, but nothing out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, so we're on the same page here. Same wavelength. Exactly. I have a comprehensive program that I call The Power of Love, which focuses on building unconditional love, mm-hmm. trust, honesty, chemistry, of course, the magic, and meaningful presence in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And the intensity of involvement in an intimate relationship can so easily slip into dysfunction yes. without regular care and attention. It's so easy to shift into, to shift con- into conditional love jealousy, blame, even dishonesty with the intention of protecting the other one from uncomfortable truths, right? Which then leads to waning sexual interest and a total lack of presence in the relationship and with each other, which is really unfulfilling and a recipe for disaster. So we kind of took a look at what good love looks like. So what happens when it's codependency instead of love? What happens is one of the individuals in the relationship is a caretaker, is a rescuer, is a saver, is a fixer. So in that case, they need the other person to be fixable. They have to be broken for them to require fixing. Mm. So one partner is broken. And forgive me, I hate these labels. We're just using context here. But yes. I hope nobody views each other as broken. So It's one, a radio show, so we need words. Exactly. So, <laughs> so one person is broken, and the other person is the fixer. So they're constantly in a mode of fixing, caretaking, saving, rescuing the other person. Now, this grew out of addiction treatment back in the day, and we saw the codependent person as the enabler, and they got blamed and shamed by the treatment world and other folks involved that they were responsible for their partner's addiction. And it's not that clear-cut. But the bottom line is that person has to fix, save, rescue, caretake. Mm -hmm. And then there's some reasons that kind of go into how they do it and where that comes from that are universal. So the other person has to be broken, and that's the most painful. So you have to keep your partner broken so you can keep fixing them. So that you stay relevant in their life. And that's how the self-esteem gets pulled right in. You got it. So we have to 
the codependent person has to keep fixing so they can feel good about themselves. Mm -hmm. Or parallel to that, that they're not, um, how would you say, that they are undeserving of a more fulfilling relationship, so they have to stay undeserving, so they have to keep fixing that person over and over again. Again, that person requires to be fixed. So in some cases, the codependent person has to sabotage or break their partner Mm. to keep them ill, for lack of better words. Absolutely. And that's very painful. Yes. I have seen that fix it, and I need you to be broken so I can fix it so often in adult couples and even um, some of those earliest experimental relationships, even in teenagers. Absolutely. Like we have a teen who started a relationship with that dynamic of the weak one needing the strong one. Absolutely. You know, so it wasn't necessarily a dysfunction or an addiction or anything, but it was just, I'm going to stay weak so you can be strong. You have to stay strong and so I can be okay being weak. Exactly. And they had this dynamic, and these dynamics can be very difficult to break. Very painful. Especially because the people involved can be so happy within the confines of those roles. It's meeting their needs somehow. So they don't even see that there's a reason to break out of it. That's an excellent point. Folks get stuck in those roles. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, actually many cases, they don't even know. They're caught up in this Yeah, I was going to say, how do they recognize? They don't. It feels fine. It feels fine. And and it's been their foundation for so long. Yes. It's been their identity. It is who they are. And now they're at a crossroad maybe where uh, the changes are happening and maybe one of the partners are probably saying, hey, this isn't working. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the, the conflict comes in. Absolutely. Folks end up realizing, you know, I'm trying to get this love. So if you think about it in the context of the codependent trying to get love, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get love, and it's not working. So hopefully they figure that out. If not, it can go on for years, decades, multiple relationships over and over again. But they're never satisfied. They can't quite get the love they want. And they've conceptualized it in this way. So at some point they figure it out. But again, it isn't always their fault. They don't really know. It's not intentionally malicious, fixing, saving. They really are trying to help the person. Their version of this is, but I'm trying to save them. They need my help. Or if I don't do X, they're going to die. I have to help them. So you have this fine line of kind of pity and compassion that gets rolled into it as well. And they do love them. Love is still there. It's just not the most beneficial love. Right. It's, not, it's, a, it's a less than positive love, if you will. Yeah. I've heard in my work and even because I do women's circles and I'm out and about with largely women a lot of the time. And I've heard a lot of women say, you know, we all need to be needed. And that always raises a red flag for me because I don't need to be needed. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we all need to be needed. I know in my relationship I want to be wanted. Very different though. Yes. And I want the person that I'm in a relationship to value me in their life. Uh, But I don't necessarily need to be needed. So what's the difference there? I know that there are some terms. There's independence. There's interdependence. There's codependence. Can you explain some of the differences? That's a good point. We have interdependence, and that's a healthy relationship. When we're in a healthy relationship, it's mutually beneficial. It's reciprocal. Our needs are getting met, our wants are getting met, our desires are getting met, fears are quashed, we're safe, we're secure. Each person is mutually benefiting from the other and the relationship. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful triad. Yeah. You have two people, one and one, and then the third is the relationship. Yes. In codependency, in a codependent relationship, the one individual 
requires. It's almost deeper than a need. They absolutely have to have that person uh, to do whatever it is that they're doing. It's, it's, a, it's a necessity. It's real deep. So the other person then needs them to keep doing the fixing. So it gets even deeper than a need. Mm. It's, it's just so ingrained. Yeah. Whereas in this healthy relationship, you're beneficial. So we go from codependency <laughs> to interdependency. Mm-hmm. But we don't want to go too far. Sometimes we freak out. And we go from codependency to independent, yes. where we're totally self-sufficient, we're completely avoidant, we're, we have friends, but we're way over here. I don't need anybody. Mm. And that's the other side of the painful spectrum. no man is an island, right? Yes. We all need each other. Exactly. We have to find the balance. Mm-hmm. So we come back and we go, well, wait a minute. I, can, I like people to be around me and, and want me and provide some validation of some sort. I don't have to have it all the time. Mm-hmm. And they evolve through that, and they realize that, you know, you need me and I need me in a healthy way. Mm. Yes. And so what are some of those markers of a codependent relationship? Essentially, what are some of the effects on the individuals involved? Excellent question. Often they don't quite know it. So the first sign is this pattern of just unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. They're stuck. They're not getting where they want to be in their relationship. In some cases, where it grew out of an addiction and alcohol uh, treatment, a lot of individuals are in alcoholic relationships, so they see the problem being the addiction, which, of course, that is. Yeah. But for them, it's what they've done to try and help their partner get out of the addiction. Mm-hmm. And then that is the unhealthy area. So there's a lot of exhaustion. So I would think that probably the top three areas, they become emotionally exhausted. They're just exhausted. They're fried from trying to save over and over again. They have this string of relationships or one long relationship, again, patterns that are unsuccessful and not happy. And there may or may not be an addictive component. Mm -hmm. Again, it grew out of that, but not all relationships have an addiction component that are codependent. Yes. And for the individuals, and I know you mentioned earlier something about self-esteem issues. That's where that comes in. So tell Mm -hmm. us more about some of those things that... Uh, tend to fall apart in the individuals in the relationship. My favorite topic. So I'm going to transition us from self-esteem and self-confidence or self-worth into shame. Mm, So codependency grows out of attachment injury. We have to thank a lot of the masters, if you will, in the past decade or so to bring this to us. Different theorists, I'm not going to get into it, but different theorists that help us figure out that folks who became codependent or anything in that spectrum, really, had an attachment injury. They were hurt. They were abandoned. They were betrayed, they had a traumatic childhood, they had very painful experiences, Mm -hmm. and they learned not to bond well. They learned how to bond in not the healthiest bonding way with people. So they evolved in that. And if you think about what it's like for a child or anybody to go through, again, abandonment, betrayal, those kind of painful experiences, you don't think very good things about yourself. You wonder if it's you. You blame yourself. Quite frankly, you're convinced that you are the problem. You are why they left you, they betrayed you, or whatnot. Hence the need to constantly check in for affirmation that you're okay. And to fix for affirmations and validation as well. So these poor folks are feeling a great uh, depth of shame. They don't often know it's a great depth of shame. And it may become chronic, really chronic painful (coughs) shame, which is a, a core belief that they are just worthless and unlovable, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Again, that can go in several areas. For us with codependency, it goes into a relationship-fixing kind of a mode to go and get that person or to fix them and save them from the illness that they're suffering from. So shame is at the core. 
and oftentimes they don't always see it until a little bit down the road, but they can feel it. They can always put words to it. Mm. And so the the fixer in the codependent relationship will often go from one relationship to another looking for people to fix. Correct. Or try to keep the person they're with Correct. stuck in needing to be fixed. Absolutely. Because that's their only way of feeling uh, validation or needed or relevant in life. Absolutely. Because they, they don't understand what it means to have healthy bonds. So they, cry, they try to create bonds through dysfunction. You're right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And other signs that they will see maybe is this, this exhaustion and some of the overt kind of behaviors. They'll, they'll notice, uh, friends will notice sometimes some control. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the codependent can be very, well, blatantly controlling. So do it my way, do it this way, why aren't you doing it this way? And they'll go into that area. Sometimes it's more subtle. And for either direction they go into, there's usually resentment that comes out of that. Mm -hmm. So the person's not following their directive or, or the partner is falling but keeps failing, then they get resentful of the person not learning, not taking their advice, not going a certain path. Yeah. Now you have the emotional toll, you have the exhaustion, you have a whole number of things, and that will bubble to the surface at some point. Now those things in and of itself will also cause problems in a relationship, not just the codependency, but the surface stuff, the fights that will ensue out of the person not following the one person's directive, for example. Mm -hmm. So you have a number of layers of issues that go on. Yeah, and how does it impact the one needing to be fixed? The one needing to be fixed has to desire to fix himself or herself. Mm -hmm. He has to have or she has to have a, a degree of self-awareness and insight to go down a certain path, which is, I got this. I can do this. I can heal. I can figure this out. And I want a compassionate, loving partner by my side to support me and be there for me, but not to tell me how to do it, what to do it, and where to go, and to hand feed me or walk me there, or quite frankly, do it myself, mm -hmm. so, or for myself. So that person has to go, I, I can do this. They begin to get their boost of self-esteem yeah. at some point in this process, and they figure out that they need to be self-sufficient but connected, independent but connected, mm -hmm. and they have to believe they have worth, that they can get better, whatever that means for them. Right. Because even if it's not addiction, just whatever it is they need to be better at. Absolutely. Whatever areas they feel that low self-esteem in or they feel like they need to be fixed. Absolutely. Okay. Well, it's that time again, and we really have been engrossed in this beautiful conversation. I love it. But it is that time again for us to take a quick break. And, you know, when we come back to our discussion exploring what love really looks like in our opposition to when it turns into codependency, on the pleasure map here at the Own Your Power Studio after some sexy tunes.
Hello everyone, I am Dr. Minka Brantley. I'm a psychologist from Miami, and I love being an expert on Own Your Power Radio. Before we get back to our scintillating chat here in Layla and Nelson's Love Nest, thanks go to Simone Kelly for being here with us to produce our show today. In addition to running the Own Your Power Network, Simone is a business coach and spiritual healer, And she's the author of Like a Fly on the Wall, her newly released very sexy novel involving adventure and intuition. Make sure you follow her and tune into her show with Herman Dubois, the Own Your Power Lifestyles show. Yeah, that's right. Well, welcome back, people. This has been really exciting. And, um, you know, obviously I'm Nelson. I'm here with my lovely wife, Layla, in the Love Nest. And we've been talking with Chris Checky about what is love. And we've gotten really in-depth. So... Really, what is love? That's a complicated question, Nelson. <laughs> you know, what is love? Yeah, I mean, for a lot of folks... <laughs> Baby, don't hurt me. And sometimes people do hurt each other. We talked about interdependence, codependent relationship, and you, you gave us some great in-depth. What happens when... For me, I, I was thinking as you were talking about what happens when both are in the same fixed mode. Oh, that's a good point. Because if, let's say, you know, sometimes people attract each other because they have similar backgrounds. So that's an example of that is if they both come from a PTSD background and, and they've had, and now that is what attracted them, do they interchange in the codependent and even codependent relationship and independence? Have you seen that? I have seen that. And that raises an interesting question in my mind, Nelson, is that you have maybe two people who are both kind of codependent. So they're both a fixer and a rescuer. Both of them also have some sort of low self-esteem. They're not crazy about themselves in some way. So they could be a fixer for the other partner and then also needing to be fixed themselves. But the other question in my mind is, I wonder if it could last. I wonder if somebody who's both parties were codependent who are both wanting to fix, if they would try and fix the other person and the relationship wouldn't work because they have two fixers. It's almost like an ego or a hierarchy where, you know, I'm going to fix you. No, I'm going to fix you. No, I'm going to yeah. fix you. And they're going to one-up each other. Yeah. And one person's going to go, well, I'm the fixer. No, I'm the fixer. And then yeah. one's going to book it. Right. I wonder. No, something's so, wrong with you. No, something's wrong exactly. with you. Exactly. Yeah. Now, here's the question. If they're aware of their codependence, they figured some stuff out to your point, they've, they've got some knowledge of this, then they might get glued together. Because they figured out, oh, well, I need to be fixed, and, but I'm also a fixer, and they're probably working on this in some way, or they figured this out, and they meet someone else in the same boat, they could bond over there needing to heal from codependency. Mm-hmm. And that could present its own <coughs> unique set of problems, I think. So that's a good point. That's very interesting. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, do you have any examples of codependent relationships that have kind of gone through the worst of it and healed? I do. Interestingly, a lot of the folks that come to me who have gone through codependency, many have been more towards the end of the relationship where it may or may not be salvageable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it is. A lot of folks do come to me single afterwards having acknowledged codependency, and then they begin to heal and then find relationships. And quite frankly, the best way to work on it is individually but also with someone you really kind of have to practice those skills that you've now learned or healed worked through with the person you're in love with or dating Mm -hmm. so a lot of the folks that i've seen they go through this process of awareness and insight and they go oh my gosh i'm codependent or i'm a fixer and a savior what's going on and the other half is but people should listen to me if they would just listen to me they would they would do what i want they would get well Mm 
but no one's listening to me. <laughs> so then there's this, there's this, you know, there's this like hate, like why won't you? I'm right. So in that process, disconnect, they disconnect. They're they're not really aware as to what's happening and why these folks won't listen to them. Yeah. So that's also happens towards the later, not later, uh, maybe middle stages of some awareness here, and they figure it out. Yes, because they start to question themselves. They begin to, mm-hmm. and then they have to work through the fact of, well, I'm not always right, mm-hmm. and I'm not supposed to fix everyone, and no one's not everyone's broken. And it's not my job or responsibility. If I could just be there and be present and be fluid with them and be there, be with them, that alone is actually healing mm-hmm. by itself. So a couple of the folks I've worked with in the past, uh, um, about half or so are in some sort of addictive component, and the other half are um, oftentimes just not happy with themselves. They've had some sort of traumatic experiences growing up or just weren't loved or were abandoned, betrayed by family, by friends, and learned how to get their validation through trying to fix others. And the other person sometimes isn't fixable. So what then happens is they have to make them fixable. And then you skirt the line of some abuse. Oh, yeah. Sometimes the person is letting the other person know what's wrong with them and there's nothing wrong with that person so that they can save or fix so that's a component that I've seen quite a bit and then that's very difficult you have to help that person understand kind of what they're doing Mm -hmm. in the most gentle compassionate way and once they figure that out they work through it I've seen a lot of folks really work through this I don't want to say it's easy I think it's fixable it's workable you go from I am not lovable to I'm lovable Mm -hmm. and when you go to that place then you can love if you're trying to love from a place of I'm unlovable, that in any way, codependent or otherwise, that, that doesn't work. Yes. We have to love ourselves first. A little corny, but totally true. You must love yourself first. Self-love. Otherwise, you're That's not going to be starts. able to evolve to somebody else. Yeah. And so what does the healing look like? Once uh, an individual has established the realization that there is some codependency going on in their current relationship, past relationships, just in their life in general, that they have that tendency about them. Uh, What does the healing look like? Now they know that they need to love themselves more and take better care of themselves and less responsibility for others. How can they heal the relationship? That's a tough question. Oftentimes people have to make the decision if they can heal the relationship. Mm. So both parties may choose to seek out some sort of assistance, whether it's therapy or self-growth or coaching or workshops. They do some sort of internal self-growth work. And then the hope is if they can heal themselves, the relationship might take a back seat for a bit. Mm. So you take a little bit of a hold and you go inward and you focus on yourself. And then you can go outward and begin to heal the relationship. So I would see it maybe as a very, very simple as a two-step process. That makes perfect sense, that they need to heal individually, Mm -hmm. or even the fixer needs to heal, Mm -hmm. or if it's the one needing to be fixed needs to heal, whoever is kind of not quite there yet, and then come together in a new way, as again, going back to what we said before, whole and complete people. Exactly. You're right. And sometimes that takes the form of many, many avenues, many directions. But the question that we pose, you know, therapists and folks, is how can you do this work and stay in the relationship? How do we make that work? Mm-hmm. How do you do the individual growth? How does the other person do that? And then what do you do in the relationship? So it's usually individual work, and then they try and kind of hold their own in the relationship while they're doing some changes. The other thing that I see is if one person doesn't want to get well, Mm -hmm. and one person does, Mm -hmm. 
So then they're working to try and get well, and we're implementing new strategies, new skills. They're gaining self-worth, and they're taking those things home. They're bringing those things to their relationship, and they're trying it out. And the partner's just not having it. Right. That person's just stuck, not like you said it. earlier. So it's like, a, as you guys pointed out, roles. It's like a role. So this person's, I mean, the person at home is in X role, and the codependent's going, well, I'm going to go out of my role. The other partner said, well, you've been in that role for so long. I want you back in that role. That's how I know how to live in this relationship. You must be in your role. Yes. So then that person now self-sabotages to get the codependent to go back to codependency. Mm -hmm. So both parties must be on the same page. And not always in the beginning, but they have to at least get there. Once that happens, then they can decide from a real place if this is fixable, this is Mm. workable. In some cases, they've gotten together, you know, years ago, as the codependent and codependent E, if you will, and they got together like that, and then they heal, and their roles are gone, and they're not in love anymore. Mm. They, They met over that, and now they're both different. You see that very commonly with other relationships where somebody has a self-growth experience. They change very powerfully, transformationally, maybe addiction, maybe whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And they're a whole new person. And the other partner's going, well, that's not who I married. And yeah. they can't evolve with them. I don't recognize you. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a place. And then the one who's changed is thinking, I've changed. Why haven't you? Absolutely. Right. That's what I see in my practice. I'll see somebody come in and we'll do some work on codependency with their relationship, uh, just, just them though, they're working on their relationship and themselves, and they transform. They do books, they do meetings, they do workshops, they do homework, they do th- all kinds of fantastic things for themselves, whatever works for them. Yeah. And their partner is not on the same page. Right. And sadly, then they have to make a decision where to go. And sometimes that can be helpful because that is very firm, it's a very clear boundary. And then the other person goes, oh, you're really serious. I guess I better go work on myself. <sighs> then the hope is they do that, and, they, and it's salvageable. The sad thing here, and not to be unhopeful, is that a lot of folks come, come to us, come to therapists, yeah. when it's a little bit too far. Very that's, true. that's the sad part. Mm-hmm. That's they they don't come the first couple of years. They come after year uh, 20. And you've got kids. And you've got you know a life, or you've got friends and family and assets, and you're just you're just torn up because you've realized it's probably not going to work. Yeah. And so it's too far gone. the The key is to do it to work you know together early on and to go through that. But most of us, you know, we're human. Yes. We don't do that. I think a big part of that as well is so much damage is built up. It's hard to undo it is. the damage in order to start fresh. It is. Right? And so many people have a difficult time leaving the past in the past, which I've found in my practice as well. Absolutely. Is they always want to go back to, but you did this and you said that, and when I needed this, you weren't there. And, you know, there's all of that that comes up, and they feel like they have to go back through all of that and wipe it away in order to start new. So some people just say, okay, you know what? It's easier to start with someone new. Yes. Than it is to fix this. Correct. Because this seems impossible. And I've seen that happen so often that, you know, a lot of times it's not fixable. But sometimes if you sometimes really just choose to move through the fire, I always say walk through the fire and say the things that need to be said and do the things that need to be done and just be straightforward, honest, and upfront with who you are, what's going on with you, what you need in the relationship without the fear and then figure out once you know the real deal 
and who this person really is mm -hmm. if you want to be there. Absolutely. Not so much about the things in the past. You bring up an excellent point about uh, hopelessness and helplessness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those folks in the relationship feel that as well, and they have a sense that it's probably not workable, and that's a different, a different layer. But to your point, we can make a decision at some level, at some, at some place, if it's fixable or not fixable. And the best, the best hope is that both parties can agree to do that. Then we see where we go from there. Mm -hmm. We see where they go. And I always like to, uh, even when people are in that place, to let them know whether you're going to stay together or separate, um, divorce, whatever it is, whatever kind of relationship they have, that you do it with love. Exactly. That you don't have to do that with hate, resentment, blame, shame, you know, pointing fingers at each other and making the other person culpable and like they were a monster and they never loved you. And it doesn't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. There's a way that you can do it so that you have a mutual love and respect for each other and still live lives the way that are beneficial to you as individuals. As you're saying that, I'm flashing back to scenes in my office where I've had couples come in and in some cases, we've worked together and they've done well and they've finished and, and stayed together. In other cases, we did some work and the one partner preps me beforehand, unbeknownst to me, and they come in and do the most loving, tearful, compassionate breakup on my couch, Aww. which is painful, but wonderful. Yes. Because they figured something out and they, they can't do it and they do it in a loving way. Yeah. And they really honor each other and it may be about codependency or other issues connected to that. But to your point, it's really wonderful if they can do that without blame, without shame, without anything else, yes. and just forgive and accept and move on. That's the thing. I think that so many people will stay stuck mm -hmm. if they feel like, well, if that person's not a bad person, and why then would I give them up? You know, if like, if like It's almost a thing where unless you make the other person a monster, you can't feel the courage Absolutely. to leave them. Because why would I leave something that's good? If I say that this person is a good person... And there's nothing wrong with them. Right. Why would I give that up? Absolutely. But you don't, there doesn't have to be something wrong with either of you in order for you to decide that something else is better for you. Yeah. Right? Exactly. And I think that that's the place of peace where a lot of people won't get there. And they spend so much time resisting seeing the goodness in the other person that there's no chance for the relationship because they're so ready to defend the maliciousness. They're so ready to defend that perspective of you're bad. So that's why I have to leave. They're afraid that if they admit that the other person is a decent human being, just with different needs that don't fit anymore right. in this dynamic, that it, they feel like if they admit that that's okay, then they have to stay. And so that even limits the possibility of staying. Right. Because they're holding on so much to this need to say there's something bad happening here. And so they hold on to that need to justify leaving. So sometimes just getting people to this place of quiet acceptance in the beauty in each other, in the relationship, in the other person, but even though there's beauty doesn't mean it has to be forever. You know, you can still choose to not be a part of it. Absolutely. You know, alleviates that tension and that need to blame. And you speak to kind of forgiveness in that sense, mm -hmm. that when you have those experiences, that person has to be willing to forgive and not go back and dredge up all this painful, blaming, shaming experiences. But they want some sort of, not retribution, but they want some sort of a, a deeper apology and an understanding. And sometimes you can't get it more than you have already gotten it. And forgiveness is so critical. And to move through that 
as fast as we can. Yes. It's almost like an, a silent acknowledgement. Exactly. People have to be able to understand that whatever place they're coming from and how they're acting in the relationship that may be hurtful is forgivable and they can work through it. Now, some things, of course, are, I think we can always say that there are relationships that may not be able to be forgiven for the topic is, but if you can move through that and heal, then you're able to have a much more sustainable relationship, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think we're just about at the end of our talk I here, think so. Chris. I think so. Do you have any final thoughts? I think there's a couple of, of points that might be worth kind of wrapping up with is that one thing we've done over the years is really use this codependent word kind of loosely. It's got some broad definitions. It's, right. it's, it's an animal. And then in some cases, there are some other kind of topics that are, seem to be codependent than art. One is a like family enmeshment. Oh. And, and when families are enmeshed or, or over-involved, it can look like codependency, but sometimes it's cultural. And that's okay. And every culture or family or style is different. You have to be careful of how we use the word codependent, and then also try and move away from that. Because what it really is, is codependency is, again, very labeling, very stigmatizing, very blaming. What it is, is it's an attachment injury. I've been hurt. I can't bond well anymore for whatever the reason is. And I seek out these, these bonds that just aren't as healthy. I'm still trying to get love. And how can we punish anybody for trying to get love, even if it's not the healthiest for them that they figured out? But that's what it is. I'm trying to get love, and my way of getting love might not serve the best purpose anymore. Maybe it did in the past. And so I think if we kind of de-label, de-shame it, de-blame it, that just makes it easier for folks to come in and get help. Then they go through the whole entire process of healing. But once you have that label o- overarching, you know, something is wrong with me or I'm this yes. or I'm that, that, that keeps them out of, of getting help. I love it. That yeah, was great point. Perfect point. Thank you. What a great way to wrap up our chat. Wonderful. Thank I you. so appreciate you for being here. Likewise, you know, Chris, my pleasure. It, it's such a pleasure to always, you know, engage with you and, and talk. Uh, you know, obviously you don't have hair, but letting your hair down, <laughs> <laughs> letting your hair down is such a beautiful thing. But I want you to remind uh, everyone what you do and tell us how to connect with you. Absolutely. So I'm a therapist, as you mentioned, in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, my website is chrischecky.com. So it's C-H-R-I-S-C-H-E-C-K-E.com. My number is 954-240-6323. You can call anytime. I always offer folks a free consult. I specialize in a variety of areas. So even if your topic may not be present or relevant to, to today, folks can call me. There are very few um, issues or topics or areas I feel uncomfortable with. I kind of see myself as a a counselor of all, if you will, and then I'd rather have folks come in and let us decide if we can't work together, and if we can work together, we go forward. And again, I see folks in the Tri-County area, all walks of life, all shapes and sizes, all all disciplines. So give me a call. South Florida. Absolutely. And I understand you consult with nonprofit organizations I do. I run a couple of, uh, um, I'm on a couple of committees, rather. I also (laughs) run a leadership group locally, and I do talks and trainings locally. Awesome. Well, thank you again for taking the time My out pleasure. to be here with us. Awesome. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Now, this was a very enlightening chat, and I hope that it will have been as meaningful to our listeners. Um, as in most things, men and women view and experience life and its intricacies so differently. Ultimately, we want the same things, but really, we approach things so differently. My deepest desire in my work with couples is that they come to a place of acknowledgement and celebration of the unique gifts that we each have to offer and develop symbiotic relationships that honor the gifts of the masculine and the feminine without judgment. 
Thanks so much for being here with me today, babe. I really enjoyed your contributions. Well, absolutely. Thank you for having me at your side. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy being here with you. And and I enjoy so much our guests and everything that we do. It makes a significant impact. Chris Checky. Yeah. It's my honor. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be here. Now, in addition to being a devoted and dedicated husband and father to our three children, Nelson is a certified addiction professional, national prevention speaker, and trainer. He teaches classes locally here in South Florida for addiction professionals to get their state certification, and you can check him out at AIPmentor.com. Remember to check out my Blissful Woman and Passionate Man membership groups and look at my direct love and intimacy coaching and online relationship programs at LaylaBlackwell.com. Please be sure to connect with me on Facebook, too. I'm Layla Blackwell. Layla is spelled like a Hawaiian lay, double L-A. And if you really love our show, check us out on Facebook, The Pleasure Map on Facebook. Special thanks to the Own Your Power team who helped make this show possible. The Own Your Power Radio Network. That's right. You know, the Own Your Power Radio Network is a 24-hour network of personal and business development. They also have R&B, so eclectic grooves to keep you in a very good mood. Mm-hmm. Be sure to check out all of our shows on ownyourpowerlifestyle.com. Our next show will be Love Alchemy, playing yeah. with masculine and feminine energy. You won't want to miss it. Until next time, remember love is an adventure. You can't remain guarded, protected, secure, and safe, and experience the ultimate passionate, powerful love. Live with heart. Good night. What yeah. Like us on Facebook at Own Your Power Radio or follow us on Twitter at Own Your Power. Remember, anything you want is attainable. Own Your Power.